0: Play on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around.
1: about marrying the runs to the play actions and to the to the boot game that really wasn't a focus and an emphasis of what they were doing offensively. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a simple starting point there. Um, And then just the timing and rhythm of the pass game, you know, let's get the ball out quicker. Let's get number one and number two open on a more consistent basis for the quarterback. We have to work harder as a staff. We have to really challenge ourselves to bunch, to stack, to motion, to get matchups so that we can have the first or second progressions available sooner so that the protection isn't as much a factor. I can't get enough of that right there. That is
2: absolutely what I want to hear. That is 100%. Everything right there. We to just play that for loop uh, on loop and just take the rest of the day off. That is what every yeah. Carolina Panther fan wants to hear about Dave Canales' vision for the offense. Now it, everything sounds good, Bone. It's combine in February, right? But what he said there—so much of what he said was stuff that Frank Reich didn't do. Um and stuff that we've been calling for them to do, I just think it sounds freaking great. But do we really believe that this offense can look dramatically different in just one season? That's the question we got to kick around here, Bone. Canales That's does what ha- Jonathan Jones, CBS Sports, yeah, by the yeah, way.
3: Yeah, uh, Canales Mack does have the advantage here of actually going back to watch Bryce and this offense together for a season. It may not be pretty, we can make jokes about how he's watching a horror movie franchise again, but Mac, he's got the ability to now look back and see what did not work. Frank Reich, you know, it didn't work out, but it had, he had to try to figure out without seeing Bryce play at that level, what might work, what might not work. What, what's he good at? What's he not good at? He yeah. never got the hang of it. At least Canalis, Mac, can go back and look and say, okay, Bryce, this is not going to work for Bryce. This is what he needs. He's got the blueprint there of film work to now at least off season assess the direction he feels this offense should be going in here. I he does have that one year. Rice has been here for a year now. Advantage Canal, so you can watch this stuff. Yes, you're right. That, that is, that, that helps. Although
2: I got to be honest, I, there were times I wondered if Frank Wright could watch, uh, watch this transpire for three seasons and would he do the right thing? But that's, I digress. I digress. Um, I am very close I am very close to believing everything he's saying. I I just, I I don't know, man. Is it just me? Because he hit on so many things, Bone, that I wanted to see from this offense last year, right? Um, The boot action, the play action game and the boot action. How many times I talk about bootlegs? Run more bootlegs with Bryce. Bryce constantly I I believe you said and I quote (laughs) we need more boot scoot boogies I said we need more boot action than a Morgan Wallen concert like i like I just I want boot action I want Bryce on
3: the move with options (laughs) with with two level options uh, in a passing game and a run uh, option sometimes I don't listen Uh, to what you're saying but sometimes you're pretty funny man (laughs) (laughs) that's not bad that's not a bad line right there save that one flounder put that in the promos
2: (laughs) so anyway that's one right there play action boot bootleg game then he talks about getting it out quickly, something that we thought was going to happen at the beginning of the year. Frank Reich talked, and that's, that's where you say talk is cheap, right? Frank Reich talked about getting it out quick, too, and they weren't able to do that consistently. Consistently, Now, part of it is not getting receivers open, but what did Dave Canales say about that? Motions, bunches, stacks, things that Frank Reich didn't do enough of. Frank Reich was bottom towards bottom of the league in motion. Let's get and ironically, Canales' offense wasn't heavy motion, but he's talking about it there as a tool to get guys open. And then the thing that really got me is when he said, "If you get the ball out quick and you get receivers open through doing motions and bunches and stacks, what does it do? It helps your pass protection. It doesn't put those guys on an island for way too long." I, I just I listened to what he said yesterday about offense. I, I just I know no one wants me to go all in and say Dave Canales is going to turn this offense around in one year and I'm trying to watch myself bone, but it's, it, I just
3: I love the plans that he is describing. I just, but I know they got to actually do it on the field. Flounder, will you get an alarm sound effect? The Mac buy-in alarm. Or when he's close, you just sound it off, and then he can step back because we need to we need to manage Mac. Uh. Manage Mac's buy-in minutes until summertime. All right, just sound that alarm, Mac will Mac will stop Mac when you're throwing in more uh. boots and motion, and your waggles, and all these different things. I'm not sure if waggle's part of this, but I like the word waggle. When you're throwing in all these different looks, so when you're multiple, then you can do stuff off of that stuff. When you're running motion, when you're running boots, you're giving different looks. The defense can already know what's coming. They need to be more multiple, more diverse. They need to do all these things, not just one thing here, one thing there. They need to show different looks off of all these things, so the defense can't just sit back and rush Bryce and, and – beat up on this offensive line. Once they get more multiple, more diverse, that's going to open up the rest of the field. That's when you have to hope that your playmakers make plays for you. Once the play calling is correct, the line of scrimmage is correct. Everything's going right. Guys have to make plays. So that's the next step. In the and then listen, they need to get better playmakers. There's no doubt about that. Um,
2: but I also like the way he talks about the run game. Now, I saw some... I He's saw, buying <laughs> in. He's buying in. <laughs> this is not... Is this, what you, this is not
3: what y'all want to hear in Combine Week, is it me starting to believe that this <laughs> offense <laughs> is going to have a turnaround? Um, um, can we hear that one more time, just so the audience knows when this sounds, that alarm sounds there that something Mac is Mac is close to doing
2: something.
4: He is buying this. in on Dave Canales'
2: offense. <laughs> 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 uh, you know what? I'm glad you do that, because that, maybe I'll chill out when I hear that a slight bit. But... Uh, Hey, Finder when Max sings, can you play that alarm? <laughs> we need, we warm week? Need <laughs> There's a lot of uses of that to get me to stop something, isn't there? Uh, but as far as another thing he said about the offense, because this is all we can go on. And again, we've got to tell ourselves, Frank Reich said a lot of things that were similar last year. Frank Reich talked about running the football but Remember we thought we'd run the ball and go play action a lot? And we ended up, at least early on, doing very little of any of that. So that does need to be thrown in. But I love what he was saying about the running game, how the running game sets up play action and sets up your deep shots and how the running game helps your defense and keeps them off the field. If this team and this goes to what you were saying in the first hour about the scheme, if we can find a way bone to run the football like we did in select times last year, but really like we did in the second half when Wilkes took over. With, with with basically the same offensive line. If we can find a way to, can he can he revive Miles Sanders' career a little bit? Like if we can find a way to run the football consistently, I think that makes Bryce look better. I think that makes the O line look better because you're not in predictable
3: passing downs all the time. They said that Chuba's. I can't, was it Morgan that said it yesterday? That Chuba's running back one. He said he's the lead back okay, right now. Okay, there you go. You know,
2: go at this point right now. OK, um, which we all knew. Right. Like that. That should be the case. Yeah, I, just, I hope it was, would it. Yeah, it was just said yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, are you guys listening to what Dave Canals is saying? I also like this, what he was saying here as well, because this is you could tell when he's watching these horror films called the 2023 Panthers offensive tape that he said he's been going through. Like he is nailing everything.
3: He's saying all the right things. He talked about things. Does need- he say one more episode, or does he like he's watching the next, <laughs> Or does he just go to bed? He says, I can't watch one more of these. He says we need
2: more explosives. There's no doubt about it. So and a lot of you might be saying, Well, how can you get the ball out quick and have explosives? Baker Mayfield threw the second most deep balls bone this past year, had double the deep completions that Bryce Young did, but he got it out. The fastest he ever has in his career. You can can get it out quick most of the time, but then set up your shots. He also talked about they need to limit the damage of exotic pressures. How many times, Bone, did blitzes get to us? And then stuff that I wouldn't even consider exotic. Like I would consider like some of these stunts just simple and basic. They're about as exotic as gastonia. Some of these stunts and we fell for them. <laughs> you said exotic, right? <laughs>
3: yeah. Not
2: erotic. Uh, no. I didn't put it on okay, I just want to make sure that Where we are you- <laughs> Where are you at, Bone? I feel like I'm doing a lot of talking here. I want you to to, to like That's the show though. <laughs> What do you mean,
3: where am I at? I'm right here. What are you talking about? No,
2: I mean, like, where are you at with this? Are you believing that there can be a big turnaround, or are you more like trying to guard yourself against it?
3: Well, how about this? You're talking about Baker's deep passing stats, right? What if we go back to Geno Smith a couple years ago when he got revitalized with Dave Canales there helping him out? Nearly half of his 30 touchdown passes that year uh, we're on deep passes. His 13 downfield scores that year. And that's that led all football last year. So we can talk about Baker last year. You go back two years to Geno Smith. The formula is very similar. It's deep passes. It's receivers that can make plays like Mike Evans and Godwin. And then the dudes that Seattle has, but they let it fly, man. They let that quarterback throw it downfield and let those playmakers, which they have to get, make the place. So this is not a one year thing for Canales. Part of his system is, those downfield passes, man, are huge. And hopefully Bryce can just tee it high and let it fly. Yeah, that's Get, where I'm at right now. So, Back to you,
2: Mac. Yeah, so you are. So you're feeling kind of good. You're feeling a little frisky over there too.
3: Yeah, I'm feeling. Fr- I'm feeling frisky. Here's my thing. Um, we yeah. got to see who they add. Oh, <laughs> the <laughs> Bones, getting the alarm, now. No, no, no. no got to see who they no. add in the offseason, though. I, here's how I describe myself right now. This is also how I describe myself in everyday life. I'm frisky, but measured. Frisky. But measured. I'm feeling mm. good about where I think this could go, but I'm measured in knowing that it might take a little time to get there. That I know I can see where it could end up going. I do, I'm not going to sit here and go crazy that right away they're all of a sudden going to look like. It's going to take a little bit of time, so I'm not going to go wild and nuts on what it might look like right away. But over time, Canales has proven the last two years that he will maximize the most out of what he has with the quarterbacks. So I think in time, we're going to see all this play out. I'm just, I'm just measured in. It's going. To, I'm trying to be patient here that it's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, this te- and I'm a man that's known for immense patience. <laughs> <laughs> this, Of course. Uh,
2: this texter says, um, uh, we don't have Evans or Godwin, though. Uh, we well, don't, that's, that's, that's why guy. we don't have Evans or DK Metcalf. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. It, a lot of it too depends on who we're able to acquire in the offseason. There's a lot of moving parts here. I just, I like the philosophy. I like philosophically what we're hearing and all we can hear now is philosophy. Right. So at this point, I like what I'm hearing, but I I do understand the skepticism.
3: I also understand some guy, but I also think is I I also like the pairing of the pairing of his upbeat style with Bryce. I think might very much Mac. It kind of is not quite the same, but, you know, Pete Carroll had a certain personality. And for a long time, it worked well with Russell Wilson. Not sure how it ended, but there was that those personalities vibe. The Canalis has a Pete Carroll like energy. And we've compared a little bit of what we think Bryce can be to Russell Wilson. Maybe that ultimately becomes a pairing like that.
2: They uh Bryce could
3: use a Stuart Smalley in his life.
2: You know what I mean? He could use um yep. a Tony Robbins You know what I mean? Someone that's going to pump them up, be positive, because I got to be honest, that's about as negative of a first year you could have in the NFL. I mean, you got physically beat down. Mentally, you had to be a mess. Like, so he could
3: use that sort of. Of, of approach. They, they spun the wheel of play calling last year of who week to, by the middle of the season, it was spinning a wheel wherever it landed. That guy got the plays that week. I actually think Sir Pur actually had a week of play calling. <laughs>
2: All right. Everybody's saying the same thing. We don't have Metcalf. We don't have Lockett. We don't have, yeah, we got to go get those guys. And that's on Dan Morgan. Uh, let's see what else we have. This text, uh, Matt in Greensboro, sorry, I can't buy in to just talk. Um, All these coaches sound great until the actual games start.
3: It's true. I mean, Boney and I were captain buy-in with Matt Rule and with Frank Reich. Oh, that first so, rule presser, man, where he was, God, he was preaching, wasn't he?
2: he yeah, he, he, he definitely sounded like the son of a preacher man that he 704-980,
1: let's go.
2: I don't blame anybody. This texter says, I'm sorry, fellas, I got my guards up. I'm like a man that's been cheated on multiple times by a lady. I am not going <laughs> to fall for all this rhetoric again. And I don't blame that. I don't blame fans bone. We were talking about this during the break. Like some fan hit us up and said, until I see it on the field, I ain't going to believe it. Like trucker T I think it was like, I I can't, I can't get mad at you if that's your approach. Maybe I, you know what I mean? Like uh, yeah, we, Panther I, fans, we have been cheated on six straight years. It feels like right by our
3: significant yeah, football. I, I, mean, I, I, I get it. Um, but we have a radio show to do so we can we will talk about him every single day leading up to that. And I think at times we'll probably get excited flounder. We might need that alarm also when the um, the female texters on the WFNZ FanDuel text line are just basically still marveling over the good looks of one Dave Canales. Oh, is that the female texters, or is Brett Jensen sending no, them? It's, <laughs> it's uh well, I was lost in his eyes. We were, we were breaking down motions and boots, and, and Lori mentioned uh, she doesn't really care as long as he's looking as good she, as he is. She wants, she wants
5: to see his motion in a different <laughs> way.
2: Okay? Oh, come on, Lori. You're such a Panther fan. If they, if this if uh, this guy is as bad as Frank Reich and Matt Roll, he's going to get
3: a heck of a lot uglier to you, Lori. I'll tell you right. But imagine if this this good-looking guy wins games. What a combo. Good-looking and wins? You kidding me? (laughs) I'd
2: love to see it, man. But listen, whatever your approach is, I'm just saying, I think he's saying a lot of the things that I was hoping to hear from our new offensive-minded head coach. You guys are correct. Flounder's correct to play the alarm. Y'all on the text line are correct to point out, we need better receivers. Or, hey, you know, didn't we get fired up during preview? Because everybody's correct on this one. But... I don't know. I'll take anything that could put a little bounce in my Panther step.
0: Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. instant replay on sports radio 92.7 wfnz because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice this afternoon on the wesson walker show
6: Welcome back inside, folks. You are immersed in the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ, going right to the FanDuel text line. Big Cat Dan, I know I teased before the break talking about Dan Morgan, and we're about to get into that thing at the Panthers and the way he approaches teams. He thinks it's a two- to three-year plan. Big Cat Dan says two- to three years is a serious upgrade from the Matt Rule, Jay-Z, seven-year plan. That's a nice uh, text right there. Big Cat,
4: Dan's onto something. I hope we don't have another Jay-Z type of plan from Dave Canales, who seems to understand that right away. The two- to three-year plan, though, like, that seems reasonable. I do wonder just how patient fans are going to be because we've not been with good football for a while. So I think if you approach this from a logical standpoint, you would say, yeah, two- to three years for a new head coach, a team that has a lot of upgrading to do, that makes some sense. The problem is you just need to see some progress here. And so if you don't see much progress, like I don't want to say that it can't get any worse because oftentimes it does. When you say that, I don't want to put that negative energy out there because the football gods are going to laugh at me. Oh, watch this worse. I don't want that to happen, but it does feel like it should be pretty easy to progress from what happened last year. Yeah. I wonder what's the minimal amount of progression that we'd be happy with. And maybe we don't put, wins on that maybe it just has to pass the eye test to us with maybe maybe they win four or five games but they look so much better and they're a tough out in a lot of the other losses maybe they lose a lot of one possession games whatever that may be But it's okay to have a two- to three-year plan. Wes, we just have to see significant progression next year.
6: Well, especially with the detail in which he's already speaking uh, about what he's got, the plans for Bryce and how he plans to do everything. And if we come out and it's more the same, uh, that's not going to be good at all. But Dan Morgan, uh, when he was talking about it, he said, quote, and I think our whole scouting staff, not just myself, have a really good feel of what we want. And we're going to be able to go out and attack that. I always think it's a two to three year plan. We're always looking ahead always trying to, you know, look at future free agent classes, draft classes, just to kind of see maybe where we're weak and where we can add in this year and supplement this year just to plan for the future. That was interesting, too. Now, not that I thought that it was so far outside of the realm of possibility, but I didn't know that teams kind of project. Free agent classes, years uh, into the future, and things of that nature. And I thought that that sounded pretty good as well. Uh, but I think that, you know, two to three years to me sounds very plausible. And I know a lot of fans get caught up in the record and how bad things looked. Um, but we see all the time in this league teams that suffer from several one loss uh, games, one possession, losses, we'll flip it around the next year and have a great season. The Minnesota Vikings, to name a team that definitely uh, was on that path where they had several uh, tight games and then they turned it around and had a great record. And for the Panthers, even as horrible as it looked that uh, last season, I don't think that they're that far away from really
4: turning this thing around because we see it all the time
6: in It's the not NFL. even necessarily
4: with the Panthers, it's just how the NFL was built.
6: Exactly. That's what I'm saying. If you go out and make some upgrades, there's some key spots because the thing is it's glaring where you need to be able to change things up. It's not like we watch the games and people just don't have a clue as to why this team is so bad. We see everything. It's just going to come down to Dan Morgan uh, and this crew to be able to go out and make the requisite fixes uh, for this team and upgrades. And it's not going to happen all in this offseason. That's why I could see, I think that this fan base certainly needs to be patient this year unless it's just a abysmal but i think you're at the point now with canales you got to give him at least two seasons to see what this thing is going to look like before you start to make a decision but what do you
4: think walk a two three-year plan you think it's shorter you think it's longer what do you think? I think it's fine i think it's fine to project that here's the thing about last year they got worse than what they were under matt rule that happened and nobody is sitting here telling you that matt rule should be the head coach of this team not one panther fan 704
1: 980 let's go
4: They're not telling you Matt Rule should be the head coach of this squad, but they looked worse. And we thought they were going to upgrade based off of what happened that offseason. And we thought you were going to upgrade at quarterback. And maybe we were getting a little too far out in front of ourselves with that. I thought Bryce Young was going to be better than Sam Darnold. I thought he was going to be much better than Baker Mayfield, and Baker Mayfield was still terrible with Carolina. But you won some games with Sam. And mm-hmm. he, he wasn't doing anything with a wow factor, but at least he got the job done. At least he was winning games with this team based off of a really strong rushing attack. And we saw what P.J. Walker was able to do. I put him in the Hall of Fame after the Tampa Bay game. And so the fact that that happened, yeah, it's not like he consistently gave us those Hall of Fame performances. And so we all thought Bryce Young was going to provide more consistency, and it didn't. And we desperately wanted him to come in right away and win some games or at least look the part. And he didn't do that. A lot of that is because of the coaching staff. A lot of that is because of the lack of weapons that you had, terrible protection up front, and some bad luck. That was a part of the equation with Carolina. But they got worse from Matt rule to the new hire. I'm sorry. I don't want to put that negative energy out like I said. I just can't imagine a realistic scenario where it gets worse from last year to this year, like it did from that rule to Frank Reich?
6: Um, Yeah, I mean... It could, it could get worse, but I think a two- to three-year plan. Barring injury, of course, yeah, with yeah, any yeah, conversation right, right, right. we have. I think uh, you know a two- to three-year plan, I think, sounds about right. Uh, I think that it can be done in that time. And I think if it's not done in that time, you just don't have uh, the right people in place. And then, obviously, if that's the case, Bryce Young uh, was never the guy if you're not able to get it done in two- to three seasons. So, uh, also, a key part of why this plan could work inside of that two- to three years is the return of Jiro Everett. And what he was able to do with this defense last year, had him the number three total defense in the league. They were not perfect by any stretch, but still impressive nonetheless. Let's hear from Dave Canales on why it was so huge to get a Gerald Everett back. into it was the huge.
1: It was huge. I mean, that was the whole part of my master plan. I'm like, hey, Mr. Tepper and Mrs. Tepper, you know, like, I'll fix the offense. You know, you kind of have what's in place here in Ajero. I really have high respect for him. And, um, you know, it was a real selling point of mine is like, if we can just get this done... You know, to have these two guys, this is a dream team of sorts, you know, really to oh no. to put these two young guys <laughs> who are committed to, to their players, committed to these schemes. Um, so I'm excited to, you know, can, to go against them every day in practice, you know, and to see the evolution of the offense and defense as we face each other and kind of learn the ins and outs of what we're doing. So I can't say enough
4: about how big that that has been. All right. Dream team, don't say it. It's taboo. <laughs> it didn't work for the, what was it, 08 Eagles? It didn't work for this coaching staff with Carolina last year. Yeah. Look, I please be as happy as you possibly can. I just please don't say dream team because it brings up bad luck constantly and I don't want to hear it anymore.
6: Has he already dug a hole for himself by saying that? I'm going to say, man, that's not necessarily what <laughs> Carolina Panther fans want to hear, especially after the quote-unquote dream team coaching staff that they allegedly had last year where guys were snitching on each other faster than mob bosses uh, when they get pinched by the feds. And so that was the issue for that last year. But I think the thing that you can take a little bit more confidence in is the fact that this is You know, Canales' staff, as far as the continuity, he's talked about everybody speaking the same language, being on the same page, and I think that's the main thing. There's not a ton of big names who used to be a head coach here and did this there and did this and did that. These are all guys that pretty much, for the most part, unless you're a real football junkie, you don't know much about these guys. Brad Idzik is a guy that's stepping in uh, to a new role for himself as the offensive coordinator uh, here as well. And so this isn't a staff full of big names and big eagerness. I think this is going to be a hungry offensive staff full of guys looking to make a name for themselves and continue to show consistency. And I think that's the big thing about it. I think the dream team uh, framing of this by him definitely is not something, though, that Carolina Panther fans want to hear uh, coming from him, especially with the previous
4: regime and all that happened there. Jack says they should call themselves the redeem team. Hopefully, oh, they can redeem man, themselves. That would be good. That's the 2008 version of the dream team. That really wasn't all that much of a dream. But with <laughs> Carolina, as long as he doesn't do it consistently, right? I, I get his point, though. And even if we're worried about that, one thing you can look at is the fact that Averro survived all of the problems last year. All of the problems from the coaching staff, how many of them were a part of the defensive coaching staff? I think zero. Yeah. I don't think that's far-fetched. Everything we heard was the offensive line coach going to David Tepper, possibly, even if that might not be true. I know some people have debunked that Chris Tabor, not necessarily agreeing with what Frank Reich was doing. Josh McCown, Deuce Daly, they get let go after the first half of the season when they decide to move on from Frank Reich. So every problem that we had a part of the coaching staff, it was on the offensive side. It really wasn't a part of the defensive side. So if you survive all of that dysfunction last year, Now you have what looks like a lot more continuity. It should be easier. And it's not a dream team. We don't have to say that. But it's just a normal coaching staff. Man, I didn't realize how badly I want normal. And that's what Carolina gave us this offseason. They went with the hot assistant. Literally, I guess, depending on how you look at it and figuratively. But they went with the hot assistant. The guy was doing a great job with a quarterback. This is – we talk about guys being promoted in a normal way with what other teams decide to do with their head coaching position. And so Carolina just did the normal thing. They went out and got a young assistant coach, promoted him to a head coach who had previous success with different QBs, had reclamation projects. What did that guy do once he was hired? He hired a bunch of guys that he was familiar with, both in his Seattle days and his Tampa Bay days. He comes here, he hires a veteran defensive coordinator that had success. He brings Ajero Averro back to the fold. This is what normal, successful franchise look like when they make a big change and it doesn't work all the time but you have seen it work consistently and I'm glad we have something normal here compared to what we had the last couple of seasons when you bring back a retread that didn't work, you bring this all-star coaching staff that didn't work and you bring in a college coaching staff that didn't work you did the normal thing and I'm happy we have something normal here in Carolina
6: Alright, so another key to the Panthers being able to uh, take a leap next season is Jonathan Mingo, I mean this could be a guy that could really really put the Panthers ahead of schedule if he has a big season next year or just becomes a guy that's going to be a quality part of the production of this offense. So let's hear from Dan Morgan and his thoughts about Jonathan Bingo and his rookie performance
4: yeah you know i think it's a little bit you know unfair you know him being a rookie you know it's hard for rookie wideouts to come in this league and just you know have instant success and just dominate from the get-go um again a young player that's still developing um has all the all the tools you need to be a really good receiver in this league and you know I'm, i'm looking forward to the future with him
6: all right so you know jonathan mingo we know that as he said wide receivers, a position. We have seen some guys come in and have success from the jump, but Mingo, not so much. This was a guy that came in, and he showed you a little bit, but not much at all to really get you excited to say, hey, this guy could be a future number one. But There's also grace to be given here. And I think that this is a guy that can continue to develop uh, chemistry with Bryce Young. And I think if you're able to get the production out of him uh, that you desire, man, I think that that could be one of the biggest factors of this Panthers offense taking a bit of a leap, Uh, could even take a a big leap uh, next season if this guy starts to turn into uh,
4: somewhat of the player that the Panthers think that he could be. We played the soundbite earlier in the show but Dave canal has talked about getting your number one and number two options open more consistently has to mean Jonathan Mingo. They want him to get open as much as they can. Part of that's on the wide receiver. Part of that's up to the scheme. And I think that's where what Canales is coming in to do. Of course, you want to see the improvement of Bryce Young, but Mingo matters a lot as well. And just as much as we see Dave Canales and his improvement with some of the quarterbacks, whether he's the OC with Baker Mayfield or whether he's just in the system with Geno Smith, man, this guy got into the league because he was a wide receiver coach. And when we look to Seattle, that might be the best example in the NFL over the last 15 years of having a strong passing game without these superstar-esque wide receivers. DK Metcalf probably broke that trend, but it took a while before you had that DK Metcalf type of guy. Doug Baldwin, what did we hear about him? Always one of the more underrated wide receivers in the NFL, but never thought of as a star. Same thing with Tyler Lockett. I go to Paul Richardson quite a bit when talking about this because he was successful with Seattle, and then he got the contract with Washington and didn't really do anything. So the fact that you have had that success with wide receivers and then Dave Canales allows Mike Evans, who was already a Hall of Fame wide receiver before Canales was the O.C., Mike Evans, amidst a Hall of Fame career, has one of his best seasons that he's ever had in the NFL with Baker Mayfield as his QB. Remember, Baker Mayfield was the guy that killed you as the number one option. Ask Odell Beckham Jr., ask DJ Moore. I thought Chris Godwin was like a first-round fantasy football pick because Baker Mayfield was just going to go to the second receiver more than he was going to go to the first. But Dave Canales and Baker, to his credit, broke that trend. So the fact that you have a wide receiver mind here as well, That also gives me some sort of faith as much as you can have in Jonathan Mingo also improving.
6: Yeah, and so when you look at the production of receivers from 2000 to 2020, so I brought up before uh, on this show the wide receiver one season where you're putting up the type of production to be considered a top-notch guy, and so when you look at the age of Jonathan Mingo at 22, and then he'll be coming into the season and be 23 uh, by the time either the season ends or midway through whenever, but you also can look at wide receiver two seasons uh, by age and so I think that for Mingo if you could get wide receiver two type of production out of him next year I think that that would be pretty good and it starts to rise you've had 15 wide receivers from 2000 to 2020 that's had a wide receiver two type production and then it gets up even more uh, as they turn the age of 24 but uh, when you look at wide receiver one seasons in that same time frame you do have a good many of them at 20 20- Three, You have uh, over 20 of those guys that have put up wide receiver one caliber season. So uh, it's out there for Jonathan Mingo to be able to come out and produce uh, and to be able to do his thing. But we shall see uh, if he can do just that. But I think he's going to be a big part of this Panthers offense and could lessen the blow if they're not able to go out and find one of those top notch receivers a la Michael Pittman or Mike Evans. Or any of those guys, uh so we talked about it earlier, and we we touched upon it, but let's get into it just a little bit more, talking about uh more about Frankie Louvu and if he will stay uh in the fold with the Carolina Panthers, and so you know, I said that I think the reason for him staying would be because he really believes in this process. A lot of the defensive players we've seen from Brian Burns to Derek Brown, how giddy these guys have been about his Evero returning and talking about running it back. Now, that could also be a key factor in helping Louvu to return is the recruitment of his own teammates. We'll see if Brian Burns ends up getting the deal that he wants because then he can become a part of this process along with Derrick Brown uh, and some others. And the reason I said that he he would that he could potentially leave is just because of the teams that he's played for and i just feel like frankie has played on franchises that haven't been as successful since he's been in the league he's played with the jets and he's played with the carolina panthers could he be enticed? for one? He's going to get a nice contract offer pretty much no matter where he goes because of the production that he's put up coming off of back-to-back 100 tackle seasons. He's got 12 and a half sacks in the last two seasons and almost 30 quarterback hits. And so, excuse me, almost 30 tackles for loss, I should say. And so, you know, does the intrigue of going to a Dallas or uh, going to a Pittsburgh or going somewhere to where his services are needed, he's going to be paid well, and you can win. Would that be enough to be able to pry him away from Carolina? Because that's going to be something that I think he'll factor in heavily. But what are the cases for you as to for and against Louvu returning for the Panthers?
4: I think your theory makes sense for someone a little more so like Mike Evans, who has made a lot of money already in his career mm-hmm. and can have that kind of choice on where he wants to go as far as a contender. Frankie Luvu has not made that much money in his NFL career to this point. Sure. And so I think right now what speaks most to him might be loyalty. I don't know. Haven't heard Frankie Luvu talk about that specifically. And I'm sure he wants to win. Any competitor in the NFL wants to win. I also know that it's a short life for a lot of different NFL players. And Frankie also had to battle from being on the bottom of the depth chart for a couple of different teams. In order to get here, it's, it's time to cash in. And whoever pays him the most money, it might be a different team. And maybe that's why he leaves. I think that could be a case. But if Carolina ends up with something similar to the top offered contract in the NFL, I think he would go to Carolina or whatever that top contract is compared to a contender who has a legitimate shot to compete in the NFL playoffs if it means going a couple million less per year than what those other two teams did. I don't think he would agree to that. I think he wants his money right now. And why wouldn't you, especially with the way that this guy is battled? And I think Carolina, if you have any kind of loyalty to a team that did give you a shot, which I'm not saying you should, but if that was the case, that's why I would give Carolina the inside track.
0: You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to three. Sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show.
5: Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Where I have like two people yelling at me, KB, cows have horns too. Yeah, I know, but like a lot of farmers take the horns off their cows. I grew up like 150 yards, 100 yards from a cattle farm. I'm not saying that no cows have bull, no no cows have horns, but you see horns. Uh, usually it's a bull. I don't even know why we're arguing about this. We were just talking about an anthropomorphic cow slash bull, uh, uh the mascot. In the minor leagues, the Danville Braves are now the Danville Dairy Daddies, and it's a very weird thing to say out loud, so let's move on. Let's welcome in Coach Matt Darty, longtime Tar Heel, former head coach, national champ as a player, former coach of the year, according to the Associated Press, and a good friend of mine. He's back in studio. What's up, Coach? How are you? Good to be back. So you texted me last night. Yeah. And when you text me a specific topic that you want to talk about, I know you're fired up. Yeah. Cuz usually you're like, "Hey, I'll see you tomorrow." Yeah. And then at some point we might talk about what we're going to talk about, we might not, but when you tell me, "Hey, I want to talk about this," I know you're fired
7: up. So yeah. y- you you want to g- go off, man. Well, it's Cornstorm. not so much a g- it's going off. It's just the the top, it's the hot topic and I've got opinions and and I uh, just want to make sure we were on the same page. Um <sighs> I've been a part of it. Uh, I've been, I've been part of the good ones and the bad ones. Uh, <laughs> at Kansas, we're playing Iowa state and uh, it was just after my birthday, uh, which is February 25th. So uh, we're playing at Iowa state, tough place to play. Kansas were top ranked. We go in there, we lose and their fans come on the court and we have to go like from the opposite end of the court through the baseline to get to our locker room. And these These, these students are pouring out. So I went offensive. I went on the, (laughs) I went offensive. I took the forearms and and brought them up and just were protecting myself, but I didn't mind taking anybody out in the process. So I get, (laughs) I get to the locker room. Coach Williams is talking to the team. Hey, you know, tough loss, blah, blah, blah. And then we're, we're taking a charter back and I'm trying to get out of my, my suit. And, um, I start to take my cufflinks off that I got for my birthday from my parents, and I couldn't get them off. They were bent, and I just imagine some of the student body from Iowa State with like MFD backwards on their foreheads. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and uh, yeah, they were I had to bend them to get my shirt off. So I think the court stormings have gotten ridiculous because it's not authentic. It's not organic. It's like, what can we do? It's, it's about the students. It's not about the celebration. And, and I think that, you know, when I was at North Carolina, we beat Wake Forest at home. They stormed the court. When I was at Notre Dame, I had to teach Notre Dame how to storm the court again. You know, that's almost like where it started when Notre Dame beat UCLA in 74 and broke the 88 game winning streak with Dwight Clay and John Shoemate. Adrian Dantley, they stormed the court, but it was kind of organic. And then when I got to Notre Dame, we beat St. John's at home for the first top 25 win. And I had to look to the stands and like wave the students like this is what we're supposed to do. But it's gotten out of control. It's gotten out of freaking control. What's, the, what's different though? I, I just think it's, it's like, you know, what's worthy of a court storming?
5: Oh, the, you mean just the proliferation of it? There's too many.
7: There's too many. There's too many. And it's like we're doing this not to celebrate. It's more of like I think it's about the students. And so um, it's not really a celebration. It's like, hey, we're going to get on the court and look at us as opposed to let's go hug our teammates and lift them up and celebrate with our classmates. I think that there's a, there's a little bit of a shift there. So um, I, I spoke to the North Carolina Farm Bureau's agents the other day in Greensboro, about 700 of them. And there was a guy that works there. And I, I just remember his first name, Roy. He had a great suggestion. He said, well, why don't they just have a net and drop it down from the ceiling around the court? And I'm like, oh, my God, that's it. Because, you know, basketball players used to be called cagers. And they were played in a cage inside a net. And it kept the fans from throwing things to the players and from the ball and, you know, being into the crowd and hurting the fans. So that's an easy drop it with whatever, 15 seconds to go, maybe the official's. You know, if it's the last second thing, it's hard, but just drop it. And now you don't need to have all these rent-a-cops. Um, you know, they're not going to risk their lives, but now it's a lot easier to keep these people and security, keep people in check.
5: So, so
7: you think we should just do away with court storming? I, I, yeah, I think, I think we're at a point we've got to do away with it. It's not, ne- it's not, it's not necessary. I, I, but like, know. what if I, what if I said to you, like ninety
5: eight percent of these things go off without a hitch? Like they happen all the time, and very rarely do people get hurt. Relatively
7: speaking. Yeah, and and I, I think, listen, I think it's a big part of college athletics, right? And you think about the Portland Trailblazers in seventy seven when Bill Walton was getting off the court, and Larry Bird in the mid eighties. um, it's just, if somebody gets hurt, we can't afford that nowadays. It just, you can't afford it. You just can't afford the negative publicity, the opportunity where Caitlin Clark or if Powski gets gets hurt. Um, and then we could pivot to the next part of this conversation. Well, what's the next part of this conversation? Well, the next part of this conversation, and I'm going to, this is going to really maybe fire some people up. But, like, what? I don't even know if I should say it. Well, you've already gotten us there. Are you afraid to get, did, to regi- did, when afraid to get the When I watched the videotape of, of, of you know Flip Flip Kowski, what it didn't look that bad. Like, did he step on someone's foot to turn his ankle? Um, you know, he went after somebody first. Like, he he extended his arms. And and try to make contact. Now somebody's t- kind of pushed him in the back, but like uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't, okay, so hold I, on. So, it so, it so, it so you
5: don't. So you think Kyle Filipowski overly dramatized what
7: happened on the uh, floor? It went through my mind. But you also think we have to ban court stories? Yes, because it's it's too too public. It's too 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 much of a hot button. Like what if let's say he he tore his ACL. That's a whole nother deal. Now, if I'm Philipowski and I'm his parents, I'm thinking about a, a lawsuit against uh, Wake Forest.
5: Why isn't the burden on the university and the conference it should to get this be. done?
7: No, well, it should be on the university because it, the, the networks love these court right? Well, they do, uh, you know. But Seth Greenberg had a great point. Like it, it, Wake Forest failed; they failed, and and so the universities should control. The court storming, that's your home, that's your student body, you know, that's your facility. And that's why I say I think one of the best things I've heard was from Roy at North Carolina Farm Bureau drop a net around the court and prevent people from running on. And how about this? Okay, you want them to run on, then 10 seconds after the game's over, let them run on the court. Well, see, that to me,
5: I think that's the best way to do it. How do you enforce that 10 second buffer? Like, no, to no, me- no, I'm talking about drop the net. Yeah. And then lifting that up. Okay, got it. Understood. I, I understand where you're coming from there. But it's like, t- to me, I, it's a little bit of an overreaction. First of all, this is an evergreen conversation. We have it every every couple of years, right? Somebody tweaks an ankle. What are we going to ban court storming? Now Jay Billis wants to put people in jail. Like Jay's talking about roping them in once they get to the floor, handing out citations and jailing some of them. Like, are, are, fans, are the fans only good for their money at the door and that's it? Isn't that a fair question? Like when most of these things go off without a hitch, it just feels like now let's take away more of the fan experience. I, I don't know. I, I, it's not even that I need to court
7: storm. Well, it's just like I, the,
5: I think there's a, this is a little bit much to do about nothing at the end of the day.
7: Personally, well, you know, maybe you're right. Um, you know, um, I don't hate it, your 10-second buffer idea at all. I think that's fine. Yeah, I kind of like that idea. Uh, I think that's the best idea ever. Join it. You're yeah going sure. I, 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 and I think we could sponsor the nets just think about the nets Ooh. like you do that you do that in football right the field goal extra point the net goes up then you drop the net let let's just drop the net around the court for basketball sponsor it you know
5: you know how a lot of these arenas have the big-ass fans? And I mean that. Like, the, the company is called Big-Ass Fans. Yeah.
7: Have you seen these? Yeah. We could be the Big-Ass Net Company. Big-Ass Net Company. You like it? I like it. I like it. I, I, like it. It. I, I think, uh, you know what? And at Virginia Tech, they could make it camo. Wow. I
5: mean, I love that, but I know
7: you're trying to insult me right now. Well, I,
5: I, was I? Yeah, you were. Well, well, but I think you're also whoa. smart enough to know that I'm not insulted by that. I would love a camo net. So it's, it doesn't it's kind of me. a great thought. Isn't it really it? is a great thought. And we could be, then you, you couldn't know, see the crowd or you could hear shop. them. It would throw the throw the visiting bass, team off.
7: Bass Pro Shops, be the sponsor. <laughs> hey, Ruk- you, you know what? No, that's for NC State, didn't they win the national championship in bass fishing? Oh,
5: oh, oh, yes, they did. So to Virginia Tech. So I'm in solidarity with them. Okay. Um, I have to ask you about this too. Two things. There was a report today that unc is telling the big 10 of the sec that they're a package deal with nc state in any round of realignment what do you think of that
7: i like it i like the unity i, 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 kinda I, do th- too. I think it makes sense because you know what it it, it it listen you could say what you want we are both state schools um we we have been aligned at the hip for a long time um and i think that you also want travel partners you want a local rivalry. Uh, you don't want your nearest rival to be, you know, um, Northwestern, and so I think or Rutgers. I think it makes a lot of sense. So uh, yeah, agreed. Now,
5: last thing: RJ Davis dropped forty-two a couple of nights ago. He literally carried Carolina to a win. Yeah. Uh, that game was was closer than it probably should have yes. been. But um, we had a, a, I guess it's a debate. Maybe something yesterday people talking about whether or not rj davis can play in the nba yeah great question six feet tall i mean you know i I compared him to kobe white kobe six five so i mean it's a different difference in size there but
7: no difference kobe white is 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 different yeah kobe kobe white is a um um a, a great a great athlete um uh here's the here, first of all carolina needs to shore up its press offense and i said this when they were playing duke and made me nervous because they have a press offense that's easy to guard uh, easy to deny the guards and then the guards are going to the coffin corner to get the ball uh, that's where you want to trap okay their press offense in my opinion is 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 of concern and it showed against miami um rj davis um you know, I'd I, I, who's the uh, – Ty Jones, Tyus Jones from um, Duke. Um, what about the kid who went to Toronto from Kyle Wichita Lowry. State? No, no, oh, no, no, no. Um, Fred Van Vliet. Van Vliet. Yep. That's the comp I see. Uh, Fred's a little stronger, maybe a little bit bigger. Um, I don't know. I don't think R.J. Davis is a first-round pick. Uh, I don't see him as a starter in the NBA. Um, will he make a roster? Yeah, I think he'll make a roster. Uh, he can shoot the mess out of the ball, um, but he doesn't have great lift at the rim, struggles some to finish over length, and really is, a, I think, a little bit of a liability on a defensive end, and because of his um, lack of elite quickness um, and lack of size. Uh, so that's that would be my prospect, but I was all wrong on Fred Van Fleet. I didn't think he was an NBA player either.
5: Yeah. Happens to the best
7: of us. Coach is good to see you, buddy.
5: Yeah, man. There you go. Somebody said Chris Paul, six feet tall, NBA uh, success. A little different. A little, a little
7: different. No, Chris Paul had small area quickness. Chris Paul was a, a unique m- guy mentally. Uh, Chris Paul could create space um, and, and also was a terrific defender. Uh, a little different. A little different. Uh, you, you can't really, this sounds, again, old. You can't compare some of these players today. To players, even in Chris Paul's era, um, you know, like, you know, Raymond Felton, Raymond f- would would would, you know, at the point Raymond would be starting, Sean May would be start. Like th- these players are good; they're good college players. They would be role players in the eighties and the nineties, and maybe the early two thousands.
0: You tuned into instant replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again sports radio 92.7 WFNZ the inclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan